Wholesale power markets make Uber surge pricing look like a joke. All that and more on this energy and materials edition of Industry Focus. Greetings, fools. Sean O'Reilly here in Alexandria, Virginia. It is April 7th, 2016, and we are here with Tyler Crow and Taylor Markman. What is up, guys? Hello, hello, hello. What's up? Uh, so before we dive in here, uh, I do believe it's National Beer Day. I believe Some might say. Is. Chris uh, Hill told us, obviously the host of uh, Market Foolery. and uh, He's on top of it. He's a whiskey drinker, he, but he knows he it's Beer Day. the message to all the, oh, yeah. the podcasts. He's like, you guys got to mention this and everything. So I think I know what Chris is doing later. But anyway. All right, right let's, me, go, let's do it really quick. Mount Rushmore of beers for you guys. Oh, man. Oh, Mount Rushmore So of I beers. need four. Now, does that imply that we need... Beers that were the founding fathers nope, nope, of the four, oh. your four favorite beers. Four favorite beers. Um, okay, really good go-to is Sam Adams Boston Lager. Oh, um, that pitching, pitching. Yeah. It's just Boston a really company. It's Homer. It's a really Homer. good go-to. It's like my Budweiser. You know what okay. I mean? Like that's what I'm gonna say. So that's that's my George Washington. Okay, Does that makes sense. Uh, my Thomas Jefferson is actually a beer that whose recipe came from Thomas Jefferson's Monticello, and it's made by Yards Brewing Company up uh, in, uh, I think they're in Baltimore, correct me? Yeah. Or Philadelphia, I'm sorry, Philadelphia. Um, and it's it's Thomas Jefferson's Tavern Ale, and it's so, so good. Um, the premium beer, I think they charge like at Whole Foods 15 bucks for this stupid beer, but Eric Bleeker and I, fellow fool, uh, love this. It's, um, it's a West Coast IPA from, um, oh shoot, what's that California brewery? I'm really butchering this. There's a lot of them. Sierra yeah, Nevada, no. Stone, Rogue. Uh, Man, he can't even come up with yeah. more favorite beer. I, I, even I know it's it. West Coast style IPA, and I'm picturing the bottle and everything. Anyway, um, to be fair, you did, you know. Anyway, um, and the last one is actually the Stone um, Best Buy IPA. All That's right. a good time, too. Okay. They just brought that out, too. I just saw it at the store the other day, and they didn't have it in the winter for whatever reason. Nice. So, all right. Who's going next? Tyler. I'll go. All right. Uh, it's a beer out of Montreal called uh, Fin du Monde, made by Unibrew. Amazing Belgian-style triple. Can't get enough of it. Is it. Does it taste like... You know Stella or anything? No, like, no, 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 no. Belgian triple style, so very... Dark l- uh, and... No, not dark. Very fruity, very okay. nutty, kind of a little funky. I really like kind those. Kind of a pop. little funky. Kind of a little I like, funky. I like those really out there You heard it here, folks. T- folks, Tyler Crow is a little funky. <laughs> I like that kind of stuff. And then there's actually... Um, I got to kind of shout out to my hometown. There's a little microbrewery in hometown, a little to New Hampshire, called Schilling, and they make some great stuff. I mean, I could drink anything on there. On their on their slate All and think things. that it's amazing. All so, the things, yeah. Well, since there's like three or four of them that I really enjoy, we'll just say those those guys encapsulate the other three. Jeez, cool. Um, all right, so we don't have to compare them to the presidents, right? We're just a, no. So no. Just Although I four. did do that, and I like to think I get bonus points. Okay. But anyway, <laughs> um, I like Goose Island Sophie. It's kind of a triple saison style beer. Uh-huh. Um. I'm a fan of really anything from Omegong. Um, I like their large formats. Um, uh, da, 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 da. I've got my untapped app open here. Hop Slam. If you really want to, you know, get that seasonal beer that disappears at the fraction of a second the moment it's released, and you only want to drink one or two beers, that's my go-to. Um, and then I like. Uh, For sipping, 
my all day IPA from Founders. Oh yeah, I, I lived in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Is that four? Just, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. I, I gotta say though, on just as a aside, we are living in peak beer. Like we are living in the <laughs> greatest, know, keeps in growing. the greatest time for beer. Could you imagine? This is the renaissance of it beer. It is like Vinci's here. Thirty it's years awesome. ago, when all you'd have is you know your choice Butter between Coors. Budweiser, Miller Coors, something Hanging like that. Hanging out with the guys, have your silver. Today bullet. we're talking about <laughs> seven thousand different beers. We have apps to track them. Crazy. I can't think of a time if you enjoy beer. There's not a better time to be alive than uh, today. When I, when Trump gets put on Mount Rushmore, uh, that's my Pilsner Urkel. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that my, right, that's, my that's my go-to, <laughs> that's my go-to <laughs> sipper. The green um, bottle from the Czech Republic. I did. I, I had it on the tip of my tongue. I did look up the brewery that makes the West Coast IPA. It's Green Flash out of San okay. Diego. Oh, yeah, that okay. is a green really Flash is good beer. special beer. Yeah, anyway. okay. Um, so we actually need to talk about energy and materials, guys. No, can we just go for beer we for could. 20 minutes? <laughs> we could. Like, maybe we should, I don't know, get online and see. Anyway, okay. Um, first up that I, uh, I think you sent me this story earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know why I didn't know about this, but apparently at certain times, I think it happened like in California 12 times in a year or two ago or whatever, but um, negative rates for power and wholesale power markets in certain states like California, Texas, it's happening a little bit in the Northeast. Um, and this, I, I was interested to read that it's basically a way to incentivize coal and nuclear plants to shut down. Um, Taylor, can you add some color here? Like, are you, I, I, I couldn't, are you nervous if you own a nuclear plant at this point? Like, that's negative rates. I think nuclear is to probably tell you to like, shut your damn, yeah. you know, pardon my French. <laughs> I think my, like, degree of nervousness would go coal, nuclear, natural gas. Right. Um, because a coal is already on the decline. Coal companies are going bankrupt in the U.S. That article, seemingly every yeah. month. Um, Europe is severely waning on coal production, and they were like the the founders of coal power. Um, you still have India and countries of that are developing using coal, but slowing growth there. China's starting to seem like it's peaking on coal coal power production. So. That would be the most nervous I would be. Like Flatline less. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, they're they're a little tired of the pollution, amongst other things. <laughs> yeah, when you can't see five feet in front of your face, I think it's time for a wake up call. Did I? The, I all the stories. I I went to Beijing like five years ago. It is true, all of it. It's well, you true. have like reports like, of Zuckerberg going on the smog run when he was in China, <laughs> like to to talk about. Climate change and, and obviously Facebook getting into China, but did he um, actually go on a jog in Beijing? Yeah, with did. some of the leaders from oh from, from China, and they called it the smog run because pollution was so bad. But um, uh, I mean, it, it you had to expect this to happen sooner or later because right. um, sun and wind are well, sun is kind of predictable. Uh, you, the clouds obviously obstructed a little bit, but wind is less predictable. So you get peak times of both at the same time, and and you can't shut down a nuclear plant willy nilly. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's. I think it's time to start getting nervous, at least in states that have seen the most growth from from both. Uh, I think if it's just solar or if it's just wind, you probably have a few years before you need to get worried. But at what point do uh, nuclear plants and uh, natural gas, you know, plants start complaining to the government? Because uh, granted, yeah, the they've cost been of complaining. Solar, yeah, they've been complaining. The, the co- granted, the cost of solar has gone down. I think the we read that it was like. A, one one fiftieth of the cost yeah. for solar in the nineteen seventies. Yep. Um, you guys remember that James Bond film? I think it was the Man with the Golden Gun. Oh yeah, I remember like that. The, it was the a Solex major threat. and the little yeah. thing or whatever, <laughs> and all this. Anyway, 
Um, Forty years later, we finally got our 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 solar power, like James Bond was the happening. Yeah, yeah. But um, but one of the reasons wind has been so big is because of these tax credits that have been going on, and Buffett talks about them as part of his rationale for yeah. doing all the investments that he's done in solar. Well, so, it's funny, like you see the tax credits get extended right. into perpetuity just so we could export oil, but. How long is that oil I mean, exportation really going to be a big deal? We're it, still importing a ton. We haven't really exported. I mean, we've exported a fraction. We just started. Yeah, but a like, little bit. I think that the in the long run, obviously, those credits are going to be a much bigger deal to fossil fuels than than oil exports are going to be. Right. Uh, what What have you heard? Like, are natural gas companies and obviously coal companies are. Well, I think natural kind of gas, a, you can turn, you can flip the switch on and off right. a little but easier. But if you're nuclear, at what point do you're like, what the heck, federal government? Yeah, like, I we're, th- I don't know. I think, yeah, long term, you're probably up a creek. Unless you can figure out a way to Actually, to turn it off there. and on. I don't and, know. And one of the things that, you know, makes it's not just like there isn't a single nuclear company so yeah. you know most of the utilities have some sort of diversified generation because you have your your base load which yeah. is your nuclear power like, um, like Exelon I think is a great example yeah. they're starting to grow renewable but they are the largest nuclear power provider in the country right, right. so you have that base load power and then you go into your more variable power sources like your natural gas and your uh, solar and wind so that when you know solar and wind are do- getting a lot of power from that you've got that little bit of base load power from nuclear to support and then on the peak times which is basically when you start to get waning production from solar and wind you know during certain times of the day then you can ramp back up with natural gas so having that diversified kind of kind of generation portfolio can help offset you know, having the issue of just being a pure nuclear player or something right. like that. So utilities clearly need to just get in on the game in order to survive and make sure they're you most know. definitely. So I went to the Pittsburgh Pirates Cardinals opening day on Sunday, and we were obviously in coal country driving through Pittsburgh. Oh, um, and there was a huge billboard. It was like, "Wind stops, suns set, coal <laughs> is forever." <laughs> And I was like, oh, God, please tell me that billboard is a decade old. Oh, jeez. I can't believe somebody's still, still writing the checks for that. They're still trying. Who's, who's yeah. writing the check Coal for that? companies, coal yeah. producers. But and they're bankrupt. Like, what's going on here? <laughs> well, I don't think billboards are the highest priced advertising model right. anymore, so it's probably the lowest hanging fruit to oh, get Oh, it's like a, a dying a dying model and a dying model teaming up. One and, would imagine, oh, yeah. this is funny. Yeah. It wasn't even one of those flashy billboards that changes three different times. It was just <laughs> a paper it was painted just straight billboard, up billboard, yeah. yeah. Um, and this is actually kind of bringing it back to yesterday's Market Foolery show uh, that you had David Kressman on. They were talking about the bankruptcy of Sun Edison. And I, I find this, the conversation between this and that, very interesting in the sense of like, you know, we're talking about basically the astronomical growth of solar and wind to the point that it's, you know, it's competitive. It's throwing, it's yeah. and it's also yeah. throwing the electricity market on its head. But at the same time, you have these upstart uh, energy companies. It, rising and falling, uh, rising and falling, and yeah, the market hasn't caught on to this. You know, from yet. A, yeah. from an investor's standpoint, there's that kind of weird treading or weird point where where is the company that you want to invest in that's really going to grow, and that's where I think it's so difficult because, and this is going to be a weird analogy, but I feel like 
investing in solar, renewables, winds, things like that. It's kind of like the Royal Rumble in wrestling. I don't know if you guys know <laughs> oh, yeah. the Royal Rumble, but like, you know, Yokozuna was always my favorite. Oh, one my guy comes Taking in. Taking us back to yeah. our preteen years. One guy comes in every like minute or so and it changes, completely disrupts what's actually going on and typically the and person And then somebody gets starts, hit by a chair. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, somebody gets knocked out with a chair, somebody gets thrown over the rope and typically the person that started in the fight isn't the last one in and i feel like with the solar ener- with you know the solar market the in- renewable market you do need to tread a little carefully in the sense of don't put all your eggs in one basket like this is going to be the company because it's such a fast moving industry that you don't know it there's so many things that could change in any given moment we saw it with natural gas and the shale revolution all these companies thought they could make a ton of money on this and then boom collapse so they you, did for a few years to their well they made money and then they lost <laughs> yeah. it all so you know, you can't just say this is going to be the company. You kind of need to hedge your bets a little bit because yeah. there is an opportunity there, but don't think that one company is going to make it up. When you happen. when you started talking about your point, the first thing that entered my mind was you know that age old Warren Rasslin? Buffettism. <laughs> yeah, no. Boom, get some of the chair. Um, Sorry, but age it's, old wisdom, yeah. Yeah, but uh, it's you know Buffett avoids technology because technological advances do not necessarily mean you're going to make money. Sorry, but uh, I mean, heck, uh, Morgan Housel had that article a year ago, and the number one stock of the last hundred years in America was Altria. Altria, making cigarettes. Demand has been dropping for cigarettes for 40, 50 years. In the U.S. Taxes and lawsuits from the government, all this stuff, and it still beat everybody. So, yeah, tread carefully, folks. Um, Actually, on that note, I did want to mention that we just learned apparently that, and it seemed kind of unfair, but I think, uh, Mr. Crow, you sent this article to me earlier. It was over in Bloomberg. Wind and solar are crushing fossil fuels, and it talks about how um, expenditures in you know just investing in wind and solar beat out fossil fuels by like two or three x or something like that last year. Globally, I thought, globally. We, went, globally. we went over that last week when we had your energy quiz that you kind of failed. Well, you know, <laughs> I, I kind of failed on purpose I along with that. the audience. Sure. Um, <laughs> it was a good time. But it, it seemed unfair. Time. It seemed unfair when I read it because obviously CapEx in oil and gas have been cut massively yeah, it's to like, like a, it's a 60 year lows. I was now, like, yeah. that's not quite fair. Yeah. But anyway. Yeah, and that's an, another kind of just a, a general point for investors is stories can be very cherry picked sometimes and so kind of before reading it and you know having a knee jerk reaction kind of think step back and take a look at it when it says something like yeah it's outpacing you know oil's growth it's like well yeah but there is very little correlation between oil and sol- right. solar oil is a transportation fuel and used for plastics solar is mostly an electricity generation and there's very little overlap between the two unless you want to talk about electric vehicles which is what 0.01% of overall right. uh, transportation market right now it's going to grow but it's not there yet not- so you know don't when you see that don't immediately go oh man oil you know oil's done because right. of solar it, it's going to take time not only that but oil and gas is already a multi-trillion dollar industry you're not right. gonna yeah you know <laughs> i think it's going to be at least a decade before this show is dominated by renewable energy talk right so we'll still be talking about oil for yeah. a little while longer on this show we we need to make plastics you guys yeah it's like you know well we need oil to make plastic yeah exactly well, no, the that sun was my can point. make yeah. plastic that'll be good yeah that's it. We need to make our Apple cars that are electric out of That's right. Um, so, uh, before we head out of here, we pretty much, we would be remiss if we didn't mention uh, the Baker Hughes. 
We've got a Halliburton. lot of lawsuits going on right now. Yeah, what's going on? All very, very litigious sector lately. Yeah. Um, to well, the surprise I mean, of yeah, there's been t- maybe too many mergers and acquisitions perhaps. proposed. Just a few, but uh, to the surprise of nobody at this table, the uh, Justice Department filed a lawsuit for antitrust concerns of the proposed merger between Baker Hughes and Halliburton. Um, obviously, nobody here was surprised. Any things that surprised you from the announcement? Um, not a whole lot. I didn't. Think it would get so far that the Justice Department would actually sue? I thought that they'd make them sell stuff. I I thought that what it was going to end up happening was, and this was my kind of theory why I wasn't totally on board with the idea. Is I thought that what was going to end up happening is to make the merger happen, they would have to strip out so many parts to, you know, meet Department of Justice needs mm-hmm. that it wouldn't have been a whole lot bigger than, you know, as right. a, as a two separate entities in the first place. Um, but it seems like you know Halliburton Baker Hughes still keep they want to fight kind it. of pushing on. They're um, going to fight well, it. I, I do want to get I want to get Taylor more. They don't want to write a three and a half well, million. Yeah, and check. because Baker Hughes can't say screw it, we're done. Right. Only Halliburton can do that until the end of this month. Then Baker Hughes can be like, Listen, this guys. isn't worth it. We're done. Give us our money. <laughs> that seems likely to happen. Now, well, maybe it? I don't know. If if. It They've wouldn't be the most absurd thing for yeah. Baker Hughes to step away well, and say, we're done, give us our $3.5 billion, we'll take either all the debt off, or we can maybe go acquire in a smaller uh, oil services yeah, company. if oil prices were sky high, they'd be they'd like, be like please out. buy us, but because they can go out and maybe buy some competitors. Well, there were some analysts, though, that said, and I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on this, in uh, the Wall Street Journal article that uh, you know I read about this, some analysts said that Baker Hughes might struggle on its own if this doesn't go through. Is there any truth to that? I mean, they were kind of, compared to Halbert and Slumberger, they were already struggling. Right. Um, and they've made a lot of changes, probably internally, to help this deal go through. Um, and, and traditionally, I guess the acquirer does better after a, mer- a failed yeah. merger or acquisition. Um, but these two compete head to head, so yeah. just handing your direct competitor three on, and a half billion. On, on that note, there's actually a quote that I I really wanted to read. Um, Bill Baer, it's B-A-E-R, I assume it's Baer, um, the Justice Department's antitrust chief upholded no punches in his criticisms of the merger, and he said, I couldn't believe this. I have seen a lot of problematic mergers in my time, but I have never seen one that poses so many antitrust problems in so many markets. That's kind of a scathing indictment right there. I mean... Yeah. I mean, I, what was it? There were like twenty-three markets they were worried about, or something. Yeah, there's a. I mean, it's they are the number two and the number three in the oil services industry. And when you, when you bring those two together, you know, you could say Weatherford International and Superior Energy Services are competitors. Who? But Who? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So when you bring those two together, or Baker Hughes and Halliburton together, you have a, a pretty much a duopoly uh, in the sector, and that. You know, poses a little bit more problems. At least with that third player, you know, you get a little bit more comp- pricing competition that makes it a little bit uh, more favorable to the entire industry, where somebody isn't going to get gouged. So, I mean, I wonder, like, though, Slumberger and Cameron, that was passed in like a day, and, and this they're now they're and a half now they're an been offshore monster. Um, on top of Slumberger already being by far the biggest company in. Equipment and services in the oil field. Um, so when I, when that passed, I was thinking, okay, this has a much better chance. But now it's like, what the hell? 
Yeah. Unbelievable. I mean, cool. Halliburton has $10 billion in cash, so losing a third of it wouldn't be the best thing in the world. But it, they wouldn't necessarily put him in the... Right. You know, They would the not have agreed to it if yeah. they didn't think Grum... They're not heading for the bread line after this. No, right. absolutely not. It's just, it would be tough to see a competitor. I'd liken it to like T-Mobile, who received billions twice from Sprint over failed takeovers, and now look at them. They're like the fastest growing They're doing what? mobile company they, in they the They make good use of that money. <laughs> Absolutely. They didn't decide to give a special dividend. What speaker just... uses market cap? Does anybody know? Uh, off the top of my head. Off no. top of my head. I hate to do that to you guys. Um, actually, I can, I have... That's what computers are for. It's fine. Um, so it's market cap currently. 20.39 billion. So this is Boom. a significant chunk of change for them. Absolutely. That's like 15, 16% of their worth right i mean and they only have two and 2.3 billion of cash on the books so. are you interested in buying baker hughes now not before this happens although i mean yeah uh, i'm just fun. gonna stick to my guns with halliburton um and ride this out because regardless if this deal doesn't go through the stock is probably worth more than it is if right. oil rebounds right. so i'm not and- worried as a long-term shareholder and going back to the long-term thesis on a lot of this you know, what was it, late 2014 when this deal was announced? And I'll admit, I think some of us got were as guilty of getting caught up in it. But there's so much, you know, attention that's given to, you know, do you buy with the merger or do you sell with the merger? And there's so much talk when it comes to these sort of things of, you know, buy, sell, trade. You know, it's very speculative. I mean, we've been talking about the story for a year and a half almost now, and it's it looks like it's going the other way when... If there were people out there that actually bought based on the acquisition and making them a powerhouse, you know, if that is your thesis for making this investment, you might want to wait until the ink is dry and you know there you can see some operational performance on an acquisition before you really start to get into it. Don't you know automatically dive in on on an announcement. Actually, be a patient investor and see a well-performing company actually. You know, hit its targets before you really want to dive in on something like this. Wise words. All right. Well, thanks for your thoughts, guys. Yeah, is that it? Hey, let's go. I, I believe so. Let's go get a six pack over at Whole Foods. I think. I, I think well, National Beer Day. I mean, it's it's afternoon now. We can. Yeah. Uh, we well, can not start. only that, but it's always noon somewhere. So. Exactly. Yeah. All I had right. A six pack under my desk for like a year. Maybe I'd just for on. this day. <laughs> Actually, exactly. On the on the the National Beer thing. Um, this is like a family heirloom. I, I don't know if you guys will know this or but but. Jimmy Carter was the one who kind of signed the laws that allowed microbrewing to happen in the United States and kind of changed the landscape for it. And his brother, uh, Billy, brewed his own beer. Billy back Carter. In the <laughs> I have, my grandfather has Biggity a six buggy. pack of Billy beer at his house. Wow. wow. What's the I, alcohol I am, content? What's the sediment? I want to see this beer. I mean, it's like in a can. You can't oh, tell, so you but can't I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't touch that. I'm going to speculate it. But it would be it's terrible. It's probably gone bad by now. That would be yeah, cool. All right, well that is it for it's us. Gonna fools. open it and it's <laughs> <laughs> carbonations is gonna be bad. Mind. Yeah, yeah, beautiful. All right, all right. Well, that is it for us, fools. Thanks for listening. If you are uh, looking to reach out with a question or comment, we'd love to hear from you. Just email us at industryfocus at fool.com. Once again, that is industryfocus at fool.com. And as always, people in this program may have interest in the stocks that they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against those stocks. So don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear in this program. And fool on, everybody. <laughs>